Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. People should rely on the information that is going to be forthcoming uh, over time, including today from the Toronto Police Service about this, because they're the people that are in possession of uh, the information that uh, would lead to any conclusions or not about uh, anybody involved in this. That was Mayor Tory, and so uh, he's just echoing what the Chief of Police said. There's no reliable information that would pin this on ISIS, or no evidence to that effect as of yet. And yet, uh, for many people, it certainly bears the hallmarks of an ISIS operation. Let's find out uh, how he reads this. Mubin Sheikh is a former CSIS operative and counterterrorism expert. Mubin, good to have you back on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. So this whole episode, as I said, uh, while none has been ascribed to ISIS by our authorities, ISIS is taking credit. Would you say it had the characteristics, at least, of an ISIS-inspired operation? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, if we judge it from the surface, uh, you know, brown Muslim guy, Muslim name, uh, you know, shoots on a, you know, open sidewalk cafe type thing, because we've been conditioned to expect this from ISIS. And, I mean, even me, myself, uh, you know, as soon as I heard the name, uh, you know, I even said, of course, of course, it's got to be an, a facial effing Hussein, you know, <laughs> uh, so... But that, that's the superficial reading, and, and when you go a little bit deeper, you realize it's a little bit more complex than that. All right, well, let's get into the complexities of what potentially could have triggered him. I mean, that's not to suggest uh, that he didn't get triggered by that or copycatism or something. Look, because the initial narrative that came out, and it was somebody acting on behalf of the family, portrayed him as a, a quasi-victim in all of this, suffering from mental illness that was untreatable. Uh, it still doesn't mean that's mutually exclusive, does it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, the this is the first uh, thing that we need to check and verify, uh, this whole mental uh, illness condition. Because if it can be shown, in fact, that this guy had what I saw, two words that were described, depression and psychosis. Uh, and those are very specific terms. And with it, very specific behavioral traits, uh, maybe impulse decision-making issues. Uh, once we, we, we verify that and we realize, as the family claim went, that this guy's had mental issues since, you know, 2010 at least, uh, that according to known information right now from the police, he was, uh, you know, brought under a mental health uh, challenge twice, then, then that will tell us that we should lean more towards the mental part than the jihadist part. Because it is true. It is true that you, you will get, you know, rational jihadists who are not mental at all, who completely know what they're doing and believe in what they're doing. And there are certain things that go with that. Uh, but then there are others who, you know, you start to see the mental illness issues. Now, is it more mental than jihadist? Right? That's really the question. Uh, so in this ISIS claim, we don't see what we would normally see. That is uh, a statement of bay'a or claiming uh, of giving allegiance to ISIS. No photos or screenshots from, uh, you know, his, his exchanges in supposed ISIS forums. Uh, so, so lacking that sort of information that usually comes with their guys doing it, we, we, we really shouldn't, you know, jump at what they're claiming. All right. And though uh, we're told also, historically, uh, ISIS has an appeal to the mentally or emotionally unstable. It may be a trigger. Now, uh, it might not be a direct prompt, 
but even just paying attention to the news and the goings-on globally, uh, could that be a trigger? Yep, uh, it's a good question because, you know, we we know also that mentally ill people, let's say, uh, especially those who have a full-fledged uh, disease, like, let's say, schizophrenia, uh, they take cues from public discourse, you know, in terms of, so, for example, when the ISIS beheadings were all over the news, there were some uh, incidents here and there of, like, very clearly mentally ill people uh, doing beheadings, you know what I mean, or trying to at least uh, mimic what they've been seeing. So that's, that is one element. Uh, as you were saying, you know, uh, ISIS does want the crazies, you know, uh, uh, you know, to kind of be on their side, because for ISIS, it's about utility. You know, can this guy commit an attack? And then they're all about the utility. If the guy can do the attack and we can take the credit, great, we'll do that. Um, but also on the flip side, when it comes to, you know, more senior people, uh, even mid-level guys, they, they don't look for the, the mental types. They look for the very rational type. So in other words, uh, one needn't necessarily be radicalized, uh, except for maybe that moment. Otherwise, uh, they might just be prompted, as we say, by uh, some of these happenstances that have been uh, widely reported in the various media. You know, somebody else has asked an interesting question. Uh, why target the Danforth and not Thorncliffe Park where we resided? It's a pretty busy area, too. I got them all there and uh, so on and so forth. What, what do you think was in play there? Yeah, he, he worked at the Loblaws that was at, uh, that is at the Thorncliffe Park complex. Um, and, you know, he probably, living in Thorncliffe, uh, probably frequented the area of Danforth. Uh, maybe had friends there. I mean, there's uh, especially people from Thorncliffe community. You know, there's a Muslim community actually literally just a few blocks east uh, where he, I'm sure he would have gone there for communal prayers. Uh, so this, this seems to be a familiar area for him. Um, you know, some people ask, you know, why didn't he go Saturday, right, instead of Sunday? Uh, probably there's more people there on the Saturday. So maybe it was just, I mean, if we're ascribing planning, uh, you know, on his behalf, then, you know, was that an oversight on his behalf? Uh, it's still begging the question, was it premeditated in the sense of he targeted that particular spot, or did it, was it just a target of opportunity uh, at that moment? Of course, there's that buildup before that, right? He's clearly come to a point where he's decided he's going to, you know, use this particular tool uh, on these people in this place. And, you know, unfortunately, I don't know if we'll, we'll be able to learn why that was. Do we know why or uh, how he came by the gun? I mean, there was a report that suggested it was his brother who bought it legally in the States, but he's now in a coma in the hospital, and uh, he might have accessed it through him. Do you know anything more? I've, I've heard that. Uh, the other side, I did see Toronto police talk about the, the, the firearm was sourced to the U.S. Uh, so that it was an illegal uh, weapon that was brought in. And yes, the older brother also had an unsafe storage charge. Uh, which which kind of presupposes uh, the weapon that he had was lawfully possessed. Now it's a different question. Now is that the same gun, or you know was that was that a gun that he had, uh, you know otherwise had access to? Still no information on that. And curiously, uh, he seemed adept at handling it. Uh, you know, obviously uh, for ill intent, but that's one thing that people picked up on immediately: the stance that he took. Uh, you know, two hands holding it, and so on and so forth. What do you take from that? Yeah, you know, I, I also heard that, and uh, but I, again, maybe it's just uh, you know because I'm I'm I familiarize myself with with firearms. 
I don't really think it requires that much training. I mean, to, to load and unload a pistol is a simple motor skill. Uh, you know, to, to hold and shoot is something that you see on TV even. Uh, so I wouldn't put too much uh, uh, stock on him being trained in any uh, significant way. He certainly didn't look like it physically um, and wasn't really known for that sort of stuff. But, uh, again, there's still there's still information that I'm sure will come out in the future. I was going to say, are you confident we'll really get to the root of this entire story? You know, you know, I, I've been seeing also this this response by some people. And uh, look, you know, the police investigations are not like a McDonald's drive-through, right? Like, I mean, we we don't we can't log on somewhere and get a police body cam live feed, right? They have to verify, verify, verify. Because uh, if they get one little thing wrong or say something, you know, it it brings an entire service and their methodology into disrepute, and they're not going to do that. Uh, so they're aware of all these things. They know the public wants the information as soon as possible. Some people were saying, oh, it, it took so long for his name to come out. No, that's because the SIU is involved, and, you know, we know this. So in the SIU, Special Investigations Unit, uh, you know, where uh, violence involving police, they, they do not reveal information. And it was actually the SIU who revealed his name, not even the Toronto police. So, well, yeah, but they were prompted to do so by uh, pressure, I think, from the media and the public, and uh, it was interesting. Did you see this as strictly a coincidence? The name was released, and shortly thereafter, a rather eloquent statement. Uh, uh, yes, the statement. Yeah, you know, I mean, I know the guy who did the statement, Mohammed Hashim, um, and, and I kind of see them as, they are, they're professional activists. Uh, they understand that, you know, when something like this happens, it's important to get these public statements out, People can ascribe nefarious intentions to them or whatnot. You know, I, I like the fact that, you know, that somebody does come forward and says, look, yes, this was our son, and yes, he did this, and, you know, here's our, our statement. Uh, these kind of statements, I think, are common, um, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't ascribe too much nefariousness to that statement because what else are they going to do, right? Are they, they're not going to invite the media for a scrum outside their house. Um, well, I, I so, just thought perhaps he was trying to uh, get in front of the story because the name Faisal Hassan, as you said yourself uh, a while ago, Faisal Effin yeah. Hassan, it's like, oh, here we go again. And yeah, so, so they yeah. wanted to deflect from a narrative that was almost, uh, you know, a default, if you will. Yeah, it's unfortunate it's become the default. You know, it's, if, there's a, if it's a Muslim name, therefore terrorist. And that's just, it's too simplistic. Uh, it's too simplistic to do. It really doesn't, uh, you know, it's not fair to the investigators who are looking to see, wait, you know, we should call it what it is, not what we want it to be. And again, look, let, let, let people not have any mistake. We, we have had jihadist attacks, uh, attempts. There are people under investigation and surveillance right now as we speak. And, and I'm sorry to say, I'm not surprised that in the future we will have an actual rational jihadist attack. Um, but, you know, let's call it what it is you know, as it is, and now what we want it to be at the time. All right, we'll end on that ominous note. Mubin, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers. All right, Mubin Sheikh, former CSIS operative and counterterrorism expert. Advancing the story with uh, details that he's dug up by being right there on the scene on the Danforth for the last 48, 72 hours. Joe Warmington from The Sun is going to join us next here on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.